1: How often do you wake up and wonder if you're at your best today, so that you can perform at your best today? And if not, what can you do about it to optimize your performance? To answer that question, Kyle DuFord. Kyle, uh, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Joel. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward right. to this.
1: Well, this you know, listen. This is a uh, this is a serious problem for senior executives for people that have a lot of responsibility. They they have to perform at a high level all day long, kind of like running a marathon uh, all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long. And, 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 and I really would like to get your perspective as a triathlete, as somebody who's uh, out there, you know, running and jumping and doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, First of all, what's the connection in your mind between, uh, you know, being successful in business and being successful in athletics?
2: Well, you know, they're, they're one and the same, if you think about it. Um, you know, success is driven from your goals and where you see yourself um, going in, in life and in business and in, in sport. And I find it's a really good analogy to look at your goal as, um, as something to strive for. I mean, no one ever really sets goals, especially in, in the business world. That's super attainable. We don't say, well, we're going to do just as well as we did last year, right? We, we want to grow 10, 20, 30%, whatever it is. So you never just say, I want to run my race at the same pace. You always want to get better. So you set that stake in the ground. And then it's all about how do you train to get there? What tools do you need? Who do you, need? who's your training partner? What kind of fuel do you need to get, to get there? What's your schedule look like? And I think it's the correlation is so, so similar, but we can learn a lot from, from those athletes, from high performing athletes. And, you know, you mentioned triathlon. I think it those kind of individual endurance sport uh, activities, like cycling, running, triathlon, even some like endurance hikers and things like that. You can learn a lot from yourself and what what you can kind of gravitate toward mentally to prepare yourself and uh, not just mentally, but also through your body and what you can do.
1: You know, I I love the uh, metaphor of sports uh, also. I'm a sports fan myself. I, uh, you know, I uh, can't, I don't call myself an athlete. I'm not not much of an athlete, but I am certainly a fan. Um, I want to go back to the part that you just mentioned about setting goals that you, you know, every year you want to go farther, you want to go faster, you want to do more companies set their goal to do whatever. Um, This is a business show. And I want to focus on the business part, although I love the analogy and the metaphor. So we we can keep leaning on that. But ultimately, when a company says, okay, we're going to do 10% better, As an athlete, you would say, okay, 10% more means that I have to do these more things. I got to practice some more. I got to run these distances more. I got to do this and this and this more. Companies frequently uh, will just put a number on the wall and say, here's our new number for next year without really maybe thinking through the same steps. So let's kind of think about what would an athlete do and what does a company need to do if they're going to reset their goals? Because the training and the... The outcomes need to be organized based on the goal.
2: Yeah, and you, you're right. And a, a lot of times, you know, business leaders will put that number on the wall and they expect, you know, the the management or, or even further down to figure out how they're going to do it. And that's happened to me when I was a senior vice president. People said, well, you know, they can do it because they're, their department's growing. So you can, just, you can just make that happen. But if you don't have a plan, uh, if you don't plan the work and then work the plan, it's very difficult to achieve something without a heck of a lot of luck. And so an athlete looks at, you know, what we would call like a work back plan. You know, you're a former publisher, you know, that if you have a publishing date, you have to work back from, you know, what, when that needs to be, when you have your articles in, when you have to edit them, where you have to lay them out. And it's not different in athletics or business. You figure out what your race is or, or when you want that goal to be. And then you work back from there. Uh, How much time do I need? If I have this much time, um, at my disposal? Who do I need to be working with? Who are the right people? And that to me is really what's all scheduling. It's all understanding how you're going to uh, train in the athletic sense, but also just work hard uh, and then rest. Uh, and that's one thing that businesses don't do is is take time to relax and, and not in the sense that you take the pressure off, but to understand there's, there's a time to really push forward, especially your people and a time to just give them a, a, a break to regroup, uh, and then to, to push on again another day. So uh, that's really what I, I see that correlation massively in that world.
1: Does, does that, uh, when you talk about rest, very, very cool uh, part of this analogy, but do you think that includes things like training, sharpening the saw, you know, making your tools work better, greasing your wheels, just getting kind of ready to run the race, uh, you know, another day? Do you think it includes those things or is, are you thinking about oh, something yeah. else?
2: No, of course. I mean, your equipment is a, is a big part of it. And even if you think you're running uh, and you're not a cyclist, and you need a bike. You still need your shoes. You still need a treadmill if you're inside. You still, your equipment is a big part of it. And so, to get the right equipment, to find out what you need, I mean, you you absolutely need to do that. And, and the sharpening skills you're talking about is is really one step further than just the equipment you can you can buy or or invest in, as it were. But that can be anything from you know your brain, your mental ability, what you're visualizing when you're working through issues or problems or, or, or training, and, and also just the kind of the endurance part of it. And and the, the interesting thing, you know, the Olympics are going on right now, you're a fan of the Olympics, I am as well. And these folks aren't training 100 meter meters to run the 100 meters, they're running miles to, to run the 100 meters, they go above and beyond what they, what the race requires, so that they're faster in the race. And that's something that you know, we teach here at our company as well. We don't ever want to run up to the line and stop. We want to run through the line. You know, a boxer, if you stop when you hit somebody and not go through them uh, or in karate or whatever it might be, if you don't follow through in basketball, you know, you're never going to hit the goal. And so you always want to go through it. And that's one thing that a lot of businesses that struggle, I feel, don't really understand that. They want to run up to the line and they don't want to run through it. And that so what, so,
1: a- so let, let's be let's be a little bit more specific. What is What yeah. exactly does that mean? You're a branding guy. Yeah. So you work in marketing. You kind of like butt up against selling. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't do that. But um, what does it mean to run through the goal? In uh, I get it in baseball. You know, uh, first base they fly by first base. You know, I, mean, I, I get that. In boxing, I get it. In basketball, I get it. It's a little harder to see it in business. So let's give a couple of examples of what that could mean.
2: Well, you, you know, you just brought up marketing, that's it, and that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, if you need. A 1,000 people to come in your doors or to go on your website or use your product or whatever to do something. No one actually goes out and finds a 1,000 people. You overshoot. You want to go find 10,000 people because you know not everyone's going to convert. Not everyone's going to stay at the party. Not everyone's going to eat the food you're serving. Every, you always need to find more of something um, to be able to, to get that. So in that sense, in the marketing sense, in the sales sense, you're not just going outside you know, your Best Buy stores and saying, I've got 10 TVs on sale. Let's go find 10 people. Because those 10 people, the likelihood of them wanting to purchase is very low. Um, if you look in the sales sense, you know, if you, if you know that you're trying to hit a goal, you have, you know, $10 million more this year that you need to, you know, um, to acquire to hit the goal of whatever that might be. You're not just going to go out and try to fill $10 million with the business exactly. You know, you're, you're always looking to go forward and, and, and further. And In the process, I think we end up determining a new watermark that is past the goal that we set for ourselves. Now, I, I, I know I'm simplifying this, it's not as easy as saying, well, then go find 15 million. I, and I get that. I think it's the mindset, though, of knowing you're not going to stop, you're going to continue to go on, because that in and of itself, um, really starts to get the team believing that the goal is just one stopping point on the goal that's going to be next year or after that or, or whatever. So I believe it's always just kind of you know, not just not that more is better. You know, you don't want to go down that track because, you know, you can still water down a lot of things, your customers or, you know, where you're investing your business or, or buying locations. But if you really understand that you want to get critical mass to get the job done, then you can really, you can find the diamond in the rough, I, I think.
1: You know, I'm just sitting here thinking, um, you know, athletics are so quantifiable. It's so easy to figure it out. You know, when you say, go 10% past, get 10% more. In nice. business, it's harder because uh, it, it's not always easy to get the metrics that you need, or it's not always easy to figure out uh, which metrics really matter. Or, or some companies will have so much metrics that they're over-focused on metrics because right. at some point, there, there's a little bit of heart there too, you know, that it's not just about metrics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's um, it just, it's it's just a complicated uh, arrangement. It's complicated formula to kind of get it all working.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, it's easy for an athlete. Um, you know, the technology is there right now. I mean, I measure my heart rate. I measure the distance between my heartbeats, which is called heart rate variability, which also tells me if I have enough sleep or not. But there are tools like that in, in business. I mean, not literally the same thing, although there's a lot of folks who wear Fitbits at work to see how, uh, you know, how productive they are, how far they walk and so forth. But really in the sense that, you know, what's the pulse of your organization? Lean on folks like your HR department. Uh, because the metrics are there as far as performance, attendance, um, you know, hitting goals, turning in reports, all those things are kind of, you know, they reflect the nature of the business. They reflect the people that are running the business. And so I think those, those data points are there. And you can go deeper into data, obviously, in business. But I'm talking about the people that are making it work. Because remember, you asked in the beginning, how do you, how do you get that 10% if thro- someone throws it on the wall? Well, how is it being received by people? uh, and is it those, those people who are going to be hearing that message? And this goes back to brand as well. How are you hearing that message? Are you following the CEO because everyone trusts him, believes in him, or is it just another number they want to throw up there? And so I think there are kind of analytics, if you will, that, that can, can tell you a lot about the people who are going to help you achieve those goals in front of you in that, in that way, it's a team sport, right? I mean, You're not going to all follow your point guard or your pitcher if you don't believe in them. And so a lot of it is building that trust from the top down, uh, which, which kind of engages with, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. If you, if you've done this before, if you help me believe in what you're, you're going for. And and I think that's really the, the mark of a good leader and also a high performing team.
1: You know, almost every sport is a team sport. Almost every uh, business, everything is a team sport, even though we compensate people individually the truth is that they're highly dependent on their team. They don't always operate like a team. And, and that just kind of uh, doesn't work out that great. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, uh, you know, a couple of other uh, components of, of athletics that you know, really bleeds into business. And let's say you're out there and you're running five or ten miles. And, you know, you start getting tired at the end of five miles. But you said you were going to run ten. You're going to do ten you don't feel like doing 10 you 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 know you feel like you're going to stop maybe it's warm outside maybe you're thirsty maybe uh, you got a cramp in your leg but you just keep going cuz you said you were going to and there's a certain amount of mental toughness that athletes develop that is harder to translate into business but i think the people who bring athletics to business bring that mental toughness with them do you have any ways or any do you have any thoughts on that
2: yeah, I mean, you have to have thick skin in business, right? I mean, there's a lot of business that fail and the ones that, that succeed, you have to, you know, continue to succeed. It's not just a one-time deal. You have to continue uh, to push on, innovate and, and, and service your customers or, or whatever your business might be. And it, that in and of itself takes some mental fortitude. It takes somebody who really has the ability to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do my plan. I'm going to execute my plan from hell or high water. And that might be at sacrifice of family and friends or, 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 you know, whatever. But in the sense that if you set a goal and they can be baby goals, they can be baby steps to get there. But, you know, some athletes not going to just go run 50 miles endurance race without doing the other bits to prepare for it. So I think the goal needs to be attainable and realistic, uh, even though if it's a stretch goal or not. And so to understand you have to get there, you have to put yourself in that position to know I've done the work, I've done, uh, you know, the training, I've done uh, the prep work, I have the right sleep, all those things come into play. And so, you know, you've done the work, then when you're out there, you just got to mentally tell yourself, hey, I've done this, I can, I can go down to five miles, I don't care how hot it is. But this is an interesting point. And if we want to continue that analogy, I think what you have to do is also be prepared to diverge if you need to in that case where you've run five miles and it's really hot and if you keep going even if you have the mental toughness it's not going to be the best thing for you i think in business sometimes we we often hit a wall and you know proverbial wall and you go well if i continue i'm going to continue because i planned it but it might be the best thing for the business or for yourself to not continue because of the surrounding conditions maybe you have to take a break and so there's a lot of correlation that I think is important. It's, it's also knowing what you have inside of you, not just mentally, but sometimes physically I could mentally run 10 miles, but if I can't physically do it, or the heat is too hot and I, I put myself in danger, you know, sometimes those risk takers are the ones who, you know, they can win big, but they can also lose big too.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting way of thinking about this. So let's talk a little bit about branding let's talk about companies, healthy companies, not healthy companies. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's let's talk first about companies that are maybe not healthy. That uh, you know, what, what might be the reason that they're not healthy? I mean, I mean, I mean, when clients come to you and they say, "Listen, we're we're struggling. People aren't acknowledging us in the marketplace the way we want. Something bad happened to us. Uh, you know, we're kind of carrying around this boat anchor around our neck of something that happened five years ago." What are the kinds of things that you help companies do to get out from under some of these troubles?
2: Well, a lot, of the, a lot of the heart of our business is rebranding. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But if you really just boil it down to a brand is just how people feel about you. That's really what it is. It's not a logo. It, it's part of it. Logo is part of it. It's not just your name, although that's part of it. It's not just the people that are there or the aprons they wear at Starbucks or the color of the Coke can that you get. All those things are part of it. And so when when we're looking at a brand or a business that's that's flailing or... or, or trying to better position themselves, it really comes down to how they're perceived. What do people think about when they think about you? And there's so many businesses and brands you can mention, and you already have this instant reaction uh, to who they are. One of my favorite analogies is if you say, if I told you, Joel, to close your eyes and think about uh, Nike, and that they just announced they're going to start an airline. And, uh, And I said, okay, so imagine what the plane looks like, what the colors are, what they serve on the plane, what's playing on the TV's how the flight attendants are dressed, you know, what the boarding passes look like, blah, blah, blah. You'd probably, with, within a certain degree of, of uh, um, what's the word I want, kind of correlation with, with what I think and what everyone who's listening thinks, you're probably going to say there's probably an, a swoosh on the plane someplace. It yeah. might be yeah. an orange tail, right? Um, they're probably going to be serving healthy food, no cookies and no, you know, crap. Um, they're not going to be giving you sodas. They're probably going to give you water. Uh, The flight attendants are probably wearing like, you know, Lycra or something quick wicking and definitely Nike trainers on their feet. TV is probably going to start off with ESPN. The whole idea that you can conceptualize the same thing that most of us all thought again, within a degree or two or two of separation, that that's the brand. That's the power of the brand. And yet we've talked about no product, no pricing, no positioning, all that stuff is important, but the brand itself is how you feel about it. So a lot of times when we get people coming to us and saying, what's going on? You know, five years ago, something bad happened to us. And, you know, we've been eaten alive in the press or, you know, CEO went crazy and did whatever, whatever those might be, get down to the nuts and bolts. What are people feeling about you? How do they think about you? And I'll tell you, and we work with half a billion dollar businesses That's probably the highest we've worked with, but we work with a bunch of people in that range. And I can tell you, even the most seasoned CEO goes, huh, I never even thought about that. I never even thought about to ask the people who use our product what they're thinking right now. You know, we rely on uh, we rely on press and we rely on publicists and we rely on people internally, but sometimes the best CEOs, you know, Southwest Airlines CEO, the, the female, I can't remember her name right now, but she prided herself on talking to staff and talking to customers all the time. Those things are very, very important. That's where your brand is. Um, the customer will tell you who you are, whether you like it or not. And so that's the biggest thing we look at is is what's the sentiment out there, and then you have to ask, can you change that sentiment somehow uh, sometimes you have to rename sometimes you have to reposition sometimes you have to put uh, you know some big uh, publicity out there to kind of change the game, invent a new product whatever that but those are all tactics really the the name of the game is how are people thinking about you uh, and that's the big thing about a brand
1: that is uh It's amazing because when you talk about Nike, I really was thinking about a lot of those things, you know, I mean, you know, I was thinking of sports on TV, healthy food, swish on the plane, uh, you know, uh, flight attendants with sneakers on. I I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I was really thinking about a lot of those. that's quite amazing. And, and I, you know, it makes you kind of wonder, but then that's a giant company. Sure. So how do medium-sized companies do this? Because they don't have billions of dollars to spend on press and spend mm-hmm. on advertising and Super Bowl commercials and all the rest. So how do medium-sized companies accomplish their objectives uh, you know, without those giant budgets?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I'm going to keep this in the sports realm just because that's the theme. I didn't even think about that with Nike, but it fits. Uh, there's a great company called Roan, R-H-O-N-E. R-H-O-N-E. Uh, I think they might still be private, but, um, we can look that up later. Uh, they're out of Connecticut. Young kid started it because he really wanted to provide great athletic gear, fitness gear, clothing, apparel for men, because they're at the time, the only option was Lululemon, And really it was kind of adversely looked at if you were a guy wearing Lulu, even though I like some of the Lulu stuff for men anyway. So he started this company and the whole thing he did was let's really talk to guys And I mean, they're, I think, I don't want to guess, but, you know, tens of millions, probably. I don't know. Their whole thing is customer service. Let's make sure we connect with customers. Let's make sure we give them the right product at the best prices. We'll talk with them through social. We'll engage with them at events. We'll start up a store and our store will exude the brand qualities and our core values. Uh, They partner with the right ambassadors online. They partner with, uh, they just recently partnered with Men's Health, the magazine, Uh, for June, for Men's uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. They do those things because they want to connect with the people who use their product and they listen to them. It's the same thing. It's just on a smaller scale. So no, they're not doing, you know, $50,000, you know, blind taste tests or, you know, behind a glass wall. But what they are doing is going out into the streets and talking to people who use their product. It's really asking the same customer, you know, uh, same idea of who a customer is, your personas and who you're going after. In your sweet spot, hey, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? Uh, what can we do to serve you? And that's really, it's really the same thing if you boil it down. It's kind of like riding a bike. Once you learn it, you always learn it. And so I, I've been fascinated. This guy's name is Nate Chekets, by the way. He's, he's a really fascinating kid. And um, we've learned a lot about how brands can start uh, in that space in particular because of how well they listened to the people that they were trying to sell to.
1: So what are, what are a couple of steps? I mean, or, or what are some questions or, or where does a company start? Let's say they want to do uh, you know, a, a brand inventory and they want to just kind of start getting a sense. They want to call in a couple of their, their team members. They want to call in a couple of their customers and they want to ask them some questions. A, a couple of things. One is what questions do they ask? How do they uh, not get biased you know, uh, information? You know, like I would imagine if the CEO says, uh, you know, tell me about something. They're, they're not exactly going to give a straight answer because, you know, it's the boss. So, you know, how does, how does a company go about getting this information in a reasonable
2: way? Well, there's a lot of companies that can help you do this. Um, but if you, you know, if you don't want to go down that route, a lot of it is, you know, I know CEOs that we work with that just go sit in the lunchroom or walk the halls. Some of the most fascinating conversations I've heard is in the hallways at Dr. Martin's in London when I used to work there is, because you're just talking about what you're struggling with. And that's a big part of it. So I think you can listen. I think it's a misnomer to think that, you know, you just, because you're the CEO, you can't get a straight answer, but that also goes back to how you treat your people in the first place. If you're not engaging with your staff, with your team, uh, all the way down to the mailroom, you're missing out on some really good Intel there. But the biggest thing is for me, um, the way we would add, what the questions we would ask is whether it's external or internal, how do you feel when you see our name or logo? What are the things you think about? Uh, how do you feel we're performing? Are we? Uh, how often do you think about us? Uh, you know, it all depends on if you're a product or a service or you know a multinational conglomerate. But those types of questions, a lot of it is looking at your competitive uh, landscape and seeing who's competing against you. How would you describe in three words your business? How would you describe in three words their business? How close are we? Are we necessary? Are we needed? When you think about pricing, who's you know, who comes to mind? Are we cheap? Are we unexpected? There's a lot of adjectives that you can use to figure that out. I say that because a very interesting uh, thing happened recently. We brought in three uh, sweet, sweet, C-suite members of a business who were trying to think if they should rebrand or not. And they didn't know. And we tried to steer them a little bit. We said, Why don't you just come in and have a chat with us? And they came in and separately, we asked them, can you write down? three things that describes your business. And now this is a 25-year-old business and they do they do fairly well. They're probably about $40, $50 million, you know, a regional company. And all three of them wrote down three completely disparate things. And the, the answer was, for us, very clear. If you guys can't agree on who you are, how are you expecting your customers to understand that? And you start digging from there and realizing that all three of them are going in different ways, telling people who they were in a completely different fashion than the other partner or the other executive team member thought. And if you do that, then you can hardly expect the customer themselves to follow along. They're going to have their own perceptions, to where they're going to see how, you know, disjunct everything is, and they're going to you know go someplace else. So sometimes the questions are really basic and uh, you get a lot out of that.
1: It had to be uh, somewhat disturbing for them to uh, come up with completely different answers. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean it, it had to be a little unsettling. Know.
2: Yeah, the CEO is really, really upset. And, you know, um, without telling you who it was, uh, one of them actually left because of it. They didn't realize how far away they were from, you know, what their true north was. And that, that's a big deal. But again, if you don't know who you, where you want to go or, or what makes you tick, they couldn't really agree on the core values of the business, then you're never going to get people to be brand loyal or business loyal or product loyal. It just, it just won't work. You know, if mom is saying something and dad's saying something else, the kids are never going to know where, where direction to go or they're always going to go to the one that's going to give them the answer they want. But when you're running a business, you can't have that. Everyone needs to be marching to the same you know, beat.
1: You just brought up another concept of, uh, of, of brand values. Uh, that's different than your messaging. It's because that's the values kind of tend to be an internal thing, and sometimes they permeate outside. yeah, but um, where, where do those values fit in to the messaging? How do you weave the the values into the messaging? How are good companies, successful companies doing that?
2: Yeah, another great question the The idea of what your core values are is really kind of driven from your purpose and your vision. Why are we in business in the first place? Are we trying to make the world a better place? Do we want people to have the best product or be safe or whatever that might be? There's lots of different reasons why people go into business. But your values in and of themselves are really how you're going to achieve that. What are the the things you're always going to adhere to to ensure that you're going to achieve your mission? I'll give you an example. For us, we've got about 10 core values. You know, we don't talk about all of them, but one of them is authenticity. We expect internally everyone to be authentic, not to give us a wrong answer because uh, they think that someone's gonna like it better, anything like that. But that means that when we give our message out there, when we're talking in the marketplace, when we're selling something or pitching a new brand or a logo, whatever it might be, we're gonna be authentic with that. We're gonna answer authentically. If people ask so I ask our opinion about things, that's very important to us. Now you're not gonna see the word authentic written on a wall here, but we know who, that that's who we are. That's what our culture is. So when we speak about ourselves, externally, we're going to be imbued with those characteristics. So the, the attribute that follows that might not have the word authentic in it, but you could say being authentic or some of them are being honest or you know, have ownership and responsibility, things like that. They're going to manifest into an attribute, which is like always tell the truth or be, be forthcoming, things like that. That's going, to, that's going to develop into a really good way of positioning your brand. Because you can, you know, if you talk about Nike again, um, you know, I'm not privy to their core values internally, but, uh, I should be, I was there for a little while, but, um, but, but really what, what they're doing is they're always going to treat everyone as if they're an athlete and it doesn't matter what you look like, you're going to be treated as an athlete. So it would be, it would be against the grain for somebody to discriminate based on weight or race or age, um, especially in this day and age, but for them, They're not going to say, no, you're not an athlete. If you feel like an athlete, we'll help you become an athlete. That's who they are. It's all driven from the the understanding that we started this so everyone can can feel like an athlete. It's it's a very, it's a complicated spider web, but it all comes down to why you're there. Why do you start the business? And again, if you liken it to an athlete, you know, I'm not going to go run my race differently than how I trained. I'm going to go run my race because that's what I trained for. And that's pretty important these days.
1: Uh, what a what a that is a really brilliant uh, analogy of run your race the way you train for it live your business the way you you know the way you live for it and the, the way you organize your values. I, I will say uh, you know in uh, in athletics it's a lot harder a lot easier to be pure and and stick to your values. A lot of companies talk about uh, you know being authentic, speaking your mind, saying the truth. But the truth is that, uh, you know, you lose friends when you speak the truth uh, and, you know, and uh, it just, it's not everybody lives their values. And so uh, disappointing when that happens, but this is, this is very cool stuff. And, and to think that it kind of came out of a discussion about athletics and triathlons and the things that you do and mental fitness. I mean, it, it's really fascinating how these things tie together.
2: Well, you know, for me, I, I look at how we're built as humans and, you know, we, you know, they say, I don't know what the numbers these days when I grew up, it was, we only used 10% of our brain. Maybe it's a little bit more than that, but, you know, we're wired to achieve. We're wired to go out and, you know, hunt and gather and, and to go for long distances and do things and come back. And, you know, we're, we're wired a certain way. I think, especially in this day and age, um, we as men and women together, when we're we want a challenge. We want to go, for the most part, we want to go out and achieve something and bring it back. And so in that sense, you know, hitting a goal, winning a medal, uh, having a successful business, it's all the same. So you have to prepare the same way. And yes, there's tactics that are different. And yes, I'm going to wear a suit to the office and, you know, you know, you can go down that path. But holistically, we are really wired in a way that we get up to perform. And to perform in anything you do, you need to be prepared mentally, physically. We didn't even talk about the fuel you put in your bodies and the fuel for business could be anything from investors and in capital to the people you hire and how long they stay and what's your attrition rate. I mean, all that stuff is really important. I don't eat something different on race day because I know it's not going to sit in my stomach. Well, I'm not going to go into a board presentation with a different template that I used before on that morning. There's so many different correlations. You know, I just mentioned rest really quick. I mean, there's, you know, we said it earlier as well, like without, what we call in athletics periodization, which is the ability to train and then peak and then rest and recover and then race. The, the idea of that is all, should be suitable in business. You cannot go at a breakneck pace all the time. You're going to have to pause. And so, I think that's why we have quarterly business reviews. So we can stop, reflect, rest. What did we do well? How are we going to plan for the future? And then go at it again. I think, Joel, it's the same thing. You know? It's just a different way of manifesting.
1: Kyle, this has been this has been awesome, and I and I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you know, uh, and I think I didn't get your name right, Kyle DuFord, right? Not DuFord. I, I kind of made a doofus mistake myself, so I apologize. <laughs> but uh, Kyle, man, you've been you've been a wonderful guest, and I, I appreciate your contribution to the show, and uh, you know, and 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 you've really shared the inside track. I mean, really, on the way to think, the way to solve problems, and then a lot of the branding stuff. I mean, this really, a lot of this is the best, smartest, and fastest way to get things done. And, uh, you know, you've delivered on the promise. So thank you very much for doing that.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll be in touch.
1: You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer david wolf and the team at autovita studios profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals to learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show reach out to www.autovita.com that's a-u-d-i-v-i-t-a.com
0: produced by Audavita studios connect your voice to the world